I want you to turn with me to John 12. John 12. Verse 20 to 26. And the title of the message this evening is Serving and Following Jesus. Let me say that again. Serving and Following Jesus. Serving and following Jesus. We just sang a song about our love for him. And so there's something about serving. And there are many ways in which you can serve. Obviously, you can serve the Lord. But there's something about serving that increases the anointing of God on your life. Because why should he give us anointing if we're never using it? Now, we'll have a measure of anointing, but you understand, the increase of anointing comes about because we use what God has given us. And so let's read this passage of Scripture, John 12, verse 20 to 26. John 12, verse 20 to 26. Where's this going to now? Here it is. Now there was, sorry, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was at Bethsaida, was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Verse 22, Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. How many of you would like to see Jesus? <laughs> Amen. So I would say that's a fair request. Amen. Would you think it's a fair request? Amen. So Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Verse 23. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. It's like the Lord just goes in another direction completely. What's this got to do with the question that was asked? But you see, God speaks in spirit. Now watch this. Most assuredly I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. I want you to note much grain. If it dies. If it dies. It's got to die. The grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, they wanted to see him. He doesn't make any reference to seeing him. He talks about serving. Interesting, huh? If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. 
If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So I'd like to just, in terms of, that's why I said we won't get through this completely tonight, but just to open up a dimension of serving. And at the core of all serving is love. If you don't serve out of love, if you don't love people, you'll get tired of serving. You must understand that. It's just so very important. Love is servant-spirited that flows into serving and following. Got it? So the worldly mind, a natural mind, an unrenewed mind, is never going to receive this. They'll never accept this call. Because whatever the world does in the natural, they're looking for acknowledgement for what they do. But it's, and there's so much of this in the gospel that um, there's so many big, long scriptures that I would have liked to have gone to, but I think this sums it up in terms of serving. So when you're serving, the word actually means like an attendant that has no bearing on the person they're serving. So in other words, whether it's a king or a tramp, there is no difference in their heart attitude towards serving. This is the acid test, as you can hear. That's what it literally means. And it means to serve in all capacities, including menial tasks. That's literally what it means. Tasks which won't require much skill and it will definitely be lacking in prestige. So watch, they want to see him and he turns the question on them and says, now let me help you. Everybody wants to see me, but I'm actually looking for people who want to serve me and follow me. Interesting, huh? And so that's why often when we speak to the world and they don't know Jesus and they haven't, they haven't been enlightened yet to the Word, the Word will enlighten them, they can't comprehend. Many years ago, I was trying to get a Muslim saved. And I was working my little tush off trying to get this Muslim saved. And um, these were the days when just after we moved into the democracy and things were hectic. And some of you are probably too young to even know this, but they, if they didn't like you, they just threw you off the train um, coming out of Soweto. And what had happened is his business was very near to the railway line and I'd stopped and I saw a man lying on the dead on the railway line that had been thrown out. And I went inside and I said, there's a guy lying on the... Are you guys not going to do something? Um, and, well, I think they said they'd phoned... I can't remember all the detail. They'd phoned the police or something. But this is what he said to me. He said, you know, you Christians with all this love stuff, did that help that man? 
He says with us, we just cut the hand off and then that sorts that out. They can't throw him out because they've got no hands. So don't expect religion to understand love. Do you understand? This is not physical love. This is not kissy kissy. It's not that stuff. Huggy huggy. It's not that. You, you see what I'm saying? If love for people is not our motivation, it's so important when they stand, when the team stands up here, it's not about their profile. It's about do they love you enough to bring the best they have to every meeting? When you and I come together, do we bring the best of us for each other? Because the Bible says we're to esteem one another greater than ourselves. So remember now, if we don't, if our motivation is not love, then we're going to get upset with certain menial tasks and the lack of profile and recognition of what's happening. I really feel this is where the Lord's going more and more. The revival that is breaking out doesn't look like the things before as they were before. Doesn't seem like that to me anyway. What I'm seeing, it's very different. So I want you to think about this in your own mind. Because what will happen is, if I gave you a menial task, you may become offended. But if you take on serving and following Jesus, I'm not saying you don't love the Lord, but you're aware of the depth of love that he requires from us, then that changes the dynamic and the offense doesn't come. Are you with me? Please hear me. It's so important. So Jesus in Matthew 8, let's go and look at Matthew 8. You know, God loves us. That's why he brings the truth to us. So that we don't have to lose out, so to speak, on the goodness of God. So in Matthew, let me tell you this story. Many years ago, we had just started an in-community those days it was called a cell group. And it was a long weekend and everybody was going away. That we checked the week before. Everybody was going away. And so we were thinking, because our family was down in Durban, Janet's family was down in Durban, and so we were thinking, well, we would do something for the long weekend. We weren't the main pastors, so we could go away as well. And we were thinking about what we were going to do. And I was in prayer and the Lord said, I want you to keep the, the in-community open. I said, nobody here. 
There's nobody here. They've told us. We've checked. They, they're going away. He says, I want you to keep it open. Who am I going to minister to? I want you to keep it open. Tell my wife, blonde, we're going to sit like two dodos here, you and me. There goes our weekend while we listen to God. We had gone past the startup time, and the lady came in, knocked on the door. She was part of the group. She happened to not be there, as I recall, when we were announcing this. And she was in a shocking state. God kept it open for her. She sat there, I don't know, babe, tall. Half the night we thought, when is this woman going home? <laughs> but she needed to unload. She was going through a divorce. Husband of many years had decided and told her, I'm out here. So that's what I'm talking about, having the servant heart to listen to God when his love flows to people that we don't think deserve it. Now, it's not that we thought she didn't deserve it, but I'm saying he may require you to reach somebody who we don't think deserves it. Or as we serve them in the church, they're unappreciative of what we're doing. Did you not know I came here at 7 o'clock this morning? to get this place ready for you. Are you with me? So let's go to Matthew 8, verse 18 to 22. <clears throat> that lady, the last we knew, went on. She got remarried. She was very happy. Um, and she was not a young lady, but she got married and very happy. And the last time we saw her, huh? Yeah, she married into a very profile family. Next thing, because she was the underling in our home cell. Next thing, she was the boss in the church I attended. <laughs> Don't, you can't work out God's ways. That's right. Yeah, married into a high profile family. Suddenly. So let's go to Matthew 8, verse 18 to 22. So I just want you to allow God's word to filter through your heart and mind this evening. Just think in terms of your walk with God. As soon as you get interested in people, it seems like God gets even more interested in you. Now, he's always interested in us, okay? He loves us regardless of what we do. But we get his attention, it seems. Right, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. I want you to see that he's going to address this two people, two levels of society that he's going to address here. Then a certain scribe, the big Makulu, the scribe arrives, came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. 
I've had many tell me that over the years. You can count on me, Pastor. I'm still looking for them. <laughs> Verse 20, but we have faithful people in this church. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He says to the profile man, who enjoyed all the trimmings of being a scribe, which was a senior position in the day, in the synagogue, he says to him, do you still want to come to, with me? Because I can't guarantee you even a place to stay. Well, the Bible makes no reference that this man actually came with after that statement. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Fair request, right? Jesus' response. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That can sound callous. But what the Lord's pointing out is that what's priority to us, there's things we can't change. So why are we concerned about them? That's why he's saying, if the guy's dead, there's nothing you can do. He's not disregarding the dead. It's a type. Another little story from my book of stories. I'm just getting saved, and I get radically saved, and I'm driving, and it's my father's birthday. But on the same night is my first attendance. Now, I'm not telling you to do this. It took years for my mother to get over this one. But do you remember this? So I'm driving along the freeway, and my mother phones. She says, you know, it's your father's birthday. You're coming around, aren't you? And I go, Lord, I'm going to the, going to the home cell tonight. Now, I wasn't again seeing my father, but I was just so on fire for God I thought, I can see him tomorrow. What's the difference? It's only a birthday. He's now very old. And really, another birthday doesn't make too much difference. But this is what I hear. Let the dead bury the dead. And I tell my mother that. <laughs> Not wise. I said, the Lord spoke to me and said, let the dead bury the dead. Your father's not dead. He's alive. I said, no, I know that, mom, but I'm trying to explain something to you. Anyway, I still went to the home cell. I said, I'll quickly come there in the evening and I'll do a quick turn and then I'll, I'll go. So there was zealousness. But you see, the context was I didn't want to get distracted from what was before me. Because there are so many situations. Is your father's birthday not important? Yes, it is. But which is important? 
That might have been a turning point in my life because it was right in the beginning of my salvation. Amen. So don't go home and say, he's a callous man because you are judging me. (laughs) Do you understand the zeal? That's the context. The Lord's saying. So, I mean, it literally happened to me. Now, I don't know when I get to heaven one day, Jesus will tell me whether I was out of line or online. But as far as I'm concerned, I still saw him on the day, but I didn't do the whole birthday thing. Just hello, bye, kiss you, bye-bye, dad, have a happy birthday. I've got to get to this Bible study. When I was coming to plant the church, I had a very close relationship with my mother. And she said, what about me? You're just leaving me? I mean, surely God understands? I said, no, mom, he doesn't understand that. Now, we'll look after you, but I'm going to plant the church. Now, do you understand? It wasn't easy. But imagine if I didn't go. What would have happened? I'll never know. It's actually too terrifying to even consider. Are you with me? Come on. Can you see this? But Jesus said to him, follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. Let the Lord take that scripture and open it up to you. But here were two potential disciples who desired to follow the Lord. The Bible doesn't speak about this guy either. So I don't know when he went off to the funeral, but there's no mention of him that I can see anywhere else. But we'll find out about him in eternity. But can you see this? It can look, it can seem like Jesus is discouraging the disciples to serve and follow him. Because it's the cost of discipleship. You're a disciple of Jesus, but you're to disciple people to Jesus. Come on, family. Come on. This is so very important. In reality, what Jesus is doing here is highlighting the authority his words carry to understand that you're entering a war zone, light against darkness. Serving and following Jesus. Now you come faithfully every Sunday night. So I would say, if your heart is right, then the reason the Lord would say this to you is because he wants to promote you. Why would he be telling us? Why would he be getting us to a place that we can make tough decisions? Because when we're excited, we say, you can send me, Lord. And then he wakes you up at four in the morning and says, let's go. And then you reconsider the whole mandate. 
said, no, no, look, Lord, I didn't quite mean tomorrow. I meant when I'm ready. Come on. So I want to drop this in your heart. A key principle in what we're talking about, a key principle in most simplistic form in the kingdom is a principle I call lost to gain. Once you think about that, lost again. Something the Lord taught me a very, very long time ago, and He uses different words in the Bible, but it's the same thing. A lost to gain is we lay down things, and it seems like we're losing. It seems like everybody else is just, everything's working for them, and God's asking me to lay down this thing. Which, what's wrong with this thing? And we almost get agitated because he's asking us to lay down. This is standing on some people's toes here tonight. He's asking us to lay down things that we're accustomed to doing. But now it's interfering with our serving and our following. Got it? I could demonstrate it by way of carrying a few chairs around here. If I put the chairs down, it's going to be a lot easier to walk. So I really want you to hear this because we guaranteed victory through the cross. But as soon as you come to the cross, did he not say, pick up your cross and follow me? What does that mean? Not a literal cross. Pick up what I've anointed you to do. Simple, huh? That's all it is. So, how the world measures success is through personal recognition and accumulation of material substance. That's how the world measures success. If you've ever been around the world long enough, you'll know that's how they measure success. You know, in the early years, in the late 80s into the early 90s, when I would have overseas visitors come out, do you know what their comment was about South Africans? Quite an indictment, but anyway. You're a very materialistic nation. That was their observation. They say every time we come at you and we meet someone new, all they talk about is what they've got. Imagine that. Imagine that. Of course, that's not you. No. You'll never be like that. So what I want you to see tonight is both these aspects of recognition and the accumulation of material substance, both those aspects are prevalent in the kingdom. The difference is the methodology that God uses, which is diametrically opposed to the world system. So when you think he's telling you to give up, he is. But he never takes without 
reimbursing. It's just not his nature. Uh, Lloyd said it this morning in the offering, and if we would get it, we'd really understand it. Um, He is a giving God. But it's just for us to understand that many times it, it can be a host of things that are standing in the way to us really being able to step over into the next area of our walk with God. Amen. And so understand he's not trying to take away. He's asking you to lay down. What is the highest in your heart? Because that's where he's supposed to sit. And as Lloyd said this morning, repeating it, you can never outgive him. So maybe I made two crazy decisions early in my walk with God, upset the whole family, but I'm still with Jesus. Would I have been, had I yielded to natural desires over what I believed he was saying to me to do? Got it? Within a few years, they were to pass away. And I might have been stuck in Jobu. Does it sound harsh? It's not harsh. They were saved. I'm going to see them again. Do you understand? In fact, you, Lord, I'm really getting myself deep in this hole. (laughs) In fact, the Bible says a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. I was cleaving to my wife. (laughs) I'm still cleaving. Amen. 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 So Jesus uses an analogy, as we saw in John 12, of wheat falling into the ground and dying. I wish, without sounding boring, you would think and do a study on this. The wheat can be a type of our desires, the type of our vision, but it can also be a type of our actual life. And so it's not a, it's not a physical dying, it's a natural man dying. Remember when you got baptized in water, the old man died. When you came out, the new man became alive. Remember that? You're looking at me like, oh, no, that never happened to me. <laughs> Bring the water, brother, let's baptize. Because it's important. So he talks about this grain of wheat falling in the ground and dying. But when it dies, so let's use the word vision because it might be easier. When your vision that is making you what is motivating you, if that vision comes from God, it's got to die. You must understand it's got to die to self 
so that he can resurrect it. Just let the Lord show you by the Spirit of God how this happens. So think about it. When the grain of wheat falls in the ground and it dies, it literally, you remember your biology, it literally like rots. But then something happens. It goes through a metamorphosis and a whole new plant comes out very fruitful. Now watch this. If you work it out, that's one plant. Now how many seeds are on that plant? Multiple. Think of this in terms of your life. Multiple seeds. And you allow a portion of those seeds once again to die. These are decisions we're going to make. Because as we grow, we get new vision, new ideas, new, new things we want to do. But he's still going to require the process because he's building constantly in our lives. And so when you lay down something, you'll go through a significant change. And that's what most people are nervous about. What's it going to look like? Dying. <laughs> Not physically, dying to self. So the grain of wheat is as a believer, surrendering and yielding personal ambitions to the sovereignty of God's word. Now, please understand this. Within the sovereignty of God's word is incorporated his plan and purpose. Hope you got that. It's in the Word. His plan and purpose is in the Word. And the fact that He gives us that Word is so He can bring it through. I'm going to end there. So I want you to think tonight. Don't make a light decision, but just think in terms of what you, want to, you wouldn't be here if you don't want to serve God. But how do you want to serve God? Me? I want everything. And I don't say that lightly. It costs me many hours a week, and I still feel I don't have enough. I'm privileged to be able to today do that. But God reminds me it's because of the steps I took that positioned me to be where I am that I can do that today. But it still doesn't feel like enough. Because I'm a mortal man conversing with an immortal being. 